Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Cat Builder Talks Radio Show with your host, small business expert, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Join us every Monday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildernetwork. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the iTalk Credit Radio Show with your host, Ira Royal. Using financial literacy to inspire, motivate, and empower people to set and achieve goals in all aspects of life. Join us every Thursday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Cat Builder Network. To be a guest or for more information, go to italkcredit.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Italk Credit Radio Show. This is your host, Ira Royal on the Cat Builder Network. Thank you again for joining the show today. I appreciate every Thursday, 7 p.m., we're right here. A lot of information about financial literacy. Sometimes that's going to mean banking. Sometimes that's going to mean credit. But we always sit around motivating, inspiring, educating, pushing you to be the best you you can be, challenging you to upset your current norms, focus on your long-term goals, and achieving those. So we thank you for supporting the show, for joining us. And we have a really, really, really exciting show around us today. I'm excited. We're going to do something a little different today, though. So we're going to take some questions from my Facebook page. We got a couple of people going and posing questions that they have about credit restoration, financial literacy in general. Um, so we're going to answer those. Then we're going to have our guest interview, Mr. Caprice Coleman. I'm very excited about this, this interview. Um, this gentleman is a professional wrestler. He's a minister, and he's a motivational speaker. That's a lot. But I'm sure he has a lot to offer, a lot to talk about, and I'm excited for him to tell you about his journey and his story. Then we're going to do Death to the, Death to the Score, where we focus on behaviors. We focus on your mentality instead of just a three-digit number. So, again, we have a really good show lined up. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take some questions. You're listening to iTalk Credit. Let me cap you on the radio show. That's right. You know, very nice. This is for the hundred dollar bill of heat. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. For my butter pink and rinking. I come here.
Talk Credit Radio Show. This is your host, Ira Royal, on the Cat Builder Network. A little, little new addition for you, a little new school new addition, too. So we're going to jump right back into it this, um, this evening. We're going to go to some of our questions that were posed for some of the people who listen to the show. Again, if you want to pose a question to get answered or 
just something that's on your mind, you want me to get back to you directly, go to facebook.com slash italkcredit. You can email me at iroyal at italkcredit.com. Again, from now on, every show, we're going to do at least three questions where we just take those, answer them, and if you want any type of feedback, contact me directly and we can have that conversation. But I think this is important. One thing I also want to say is, as I say every show, there's no guru. There's no, you know, one person says it all. I'm not a guru when it comes to um, credit literacy. There's nobody that has all the answers. So what I really want to do is start the conversation, right? I want to make sure that I plant seeds in people and give them something they can take and do their own research. So if anything that I say on this show, you say, well, I need a little bit more information about that or that's not something I really believe, good. Now you can take that information, go do some research, and see how it applies to your life, right? You never want to have one source of information. Do your own research. Google it. Read an encyclopedia. Get a book. A book. Talk to people. Talk to your banker. Talk to a financial advisor. Multiple people giving you information to form your own financial lifestyle, right? Not just one person. Not just um, you know somebody on the radio or somebody on TV or or, you know, all your friend, again, multiple people. All right. So the first question that we're going to answer today, question is, I am in the middle of repairing my credit. Should I stop using my credit card or cut them up? So I'm glad you posed this question, right? Because a lot of people, a lot of people believe that when you're working on your credit or if you're in the process of, preparing negative items on your credit report, that the key is to just, hey, let's shut everything down. Let's stop using my credit card, right? Let's stop making any type of transactions that could, in a long-term fashion, affect me. I don't believe in that. I'll tell you why. I believe that it's not the credit. So we have to get out of this mentality that it's the product, right? It's not the product. It's, it's you. It's your behaviors. It's how you manage your daily finances or your finances in general. So it's not the credit card that's hurting you. It's how you're using the credit card, right? So what I tell people is let's find the source of the problem. What's going on? Are you overspending, right? Or are you not adhering to that 30% rule if you have a $1,000 limit credit card and you have a, you know, and you have a 800 balance, right? Then you look at it as a risk that's ultimately hurting your FICO score. So let's really get down to the, to the root of the issue. Stop using credit? No. Just use it in a fashion that's actually going to help you and not harm you. I personally believe it takes two things to repair your credit file, your credit score. I believe it's removing negative items off your credit report, whether that's settling, whether that's dispute, whether that's paying them off in full or satisfying the agreement at the terms of the loan. And it's also showing positive payment history. It can't be one or the other. It's not going to be just removing things off your credit report, right? Because creditors are looking for one thing. Can you manage your finances in a fashion where I will be paid back the money that I lent to you? That's what they're looking for. So you need to show them that at all times. And on the flip side, the items on your credit report that are negatively impacting that cycle score, you need to get a way to manage those, whether it's a long-term approach of paying them down or paying them off, or going through a dispute process, especially if those items are incorrect. We already know about 20% of the items in your credit report are incorrect. Multiple studies out there done. It's up to you to locate those. You have to be proactive. You have to actually pull that credit report out, go through it with a fine-tooth comb, 
old school way, get a highlighter, highlight everything that's yours. The things that are not yours, go through a dispute, uh, dispute process. Everything's pretty much automated now. So it's fairly easy. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion on that. You know, no, don't stop using your credit cards, but really sit down with somebody that can help you, show you how to use them in a fashion that's going to help you in the long term and not harm you. And it can be done. People do it every day, right? It's going to take discipline. It's going to take being proactive, being aware, you know, and you're not going to always be able to get what you want. But we're in this for the long haul. We're not in this just for, you know, short-term gratification. All right, let's move on to the next question. I hope that helped you out. If you have any more, you know, questions or you want me to expand on that further, Contact me directly, and we can kind of sit down, and I can give you some tips. So I think that's very important. No, do not stop using your credit, but using the fashion that's going to help you long term, not give you those short term wins, or get buy you that that purse that you want, or that watch that you want. That's going to help you long term get that house of your dreams, you know, start that business of your dreams, invest in yourself. That's how we have to start looking at credit as a tool to help us long term. That short term, put something in our pocket. All right, let's move on. Second question. A friend told me that employers use your credit score for job qualifications. Okay, I assume that you're saying that some recruiters or jobs use your credit to see if you can actually, if you're qualified for that job that you're in. And I'll say it depends. First of all, no, they don't use your score. So uh, people use credit score and credit file interchangeably, right? But most companies, and I want to say 90, 95% of companies, do not use your score because that's irrelevant to them, the actual score. So the score and the file, two, two totally separate, separate things. Most, especially if you're in the financial services industry, they will pull your file, and they're looking for specific things. They're not looking for medical collection bills. They're not looking for, oh, this person had a charge off credit card, or people, oh, he had to make a late payment. They're not necessarily looking for those. They're looking for a pattern of decision-making, right? So they're looking for, do you have any liens, like federal liens? Student loans play a major part. So if you have the liens in student loans, that will, that's a federal loan, that will, some of them are, that will make people's eyebrows go up and question you further, right? They're looking for bankruptcies. They're looking for any type of state liens or judgments. Those are the things that they're looking for because they're looking to see, hey, how does this person handle his personal finances that might speak to how they will handle some of the decision-making at my firm? Not only that, is this person under so much debt and so much stress that they will potentially steal from our institution to pay back their personal obligations? So, yes, it's very real. They, they will look at your credit file. They will always, always, always get permission from you, FCRA. They have to do that. They have to say, hey, look, are you okay with us pulling your credit file? <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that you say no, that you're going to get the job because for most part, you know, for a lot of jobs in the financial services industry, they, they're going to take a look at that. So you're just saying, hey, yeah, I do give you permission. So, yeah, some people do. And you can always ask them, hey, you know, a part of my employment screening, are you going to pull my credit file? You can always ask that. That's not... Um, a question that you cannot ask them. And I would. I, I would definitely encourage you to do that. You have every right to know, even though you're going to know anyway because you're going to sign that document. <clears throat> All right, let's move on. 
what age is a good age to begin educating your kids about credit? That's a good question. And so I'm going to talk about this a little bit. I'm going to take this outside of the realm of credit, right? <clears throat> In my personal opinion, I believe it's a good age to start. I believe a kid should start learning about money, not just credit, but finances, as early as, I don't even say an age, as early as they can actually comprehend it. So, like I'll give my daughter, for example. My wife, she'll, she does this thing where she's like, hey, she'll get a bunch of change, and she's showing her, hey, what's this? Oh, that's a quarter, daddy. Or that's a quarter, mommy. Or that's a nickel. That's a penny. So she's counting now. Not necessarily counting money, but just counting. What's one plus one? Might equal two. But as early as possible, I would expose them to that. Like, these are coins. This is a dollar. This is what this is for. You don't have to be complex and go into so much detail that you're talking over their head. But just introducing them to things, from, a kid, from the time a kid is born to the time they're nine years old, that's when they learn the most, right? They're, they're, brains are like sponges. That's when they soak up. That's when they're actually shaping and forming their character. So I believe at a young age, as soon as they are able to sit down and really listen to you and have that dialogue, start showing them things little by little. Here's change. Here's a dollar. You know, hey, look, if, if, if mommy gives you $5 and the apple costs a dollar, you give mommy $4 back. So they're not going to grasp it, right? They're not going to become bankers. They're not going to jump out and know how to, you know, do enhanced multiplication for getting your planting seeds and you're exposing them to things. Because the last thing that you want, you don't want them to, you know, wake up and they're in middle school and high school and you haven't thought to them anything about, anything about money and about finances. And then next thing you know, they're opening their own account. Next thing you know, somebody's giving them a credit card and they have no instructions, right? Then they're going to follow some of the same cycles that we follow of those of us that are adults have done when we went through life and we really didn't have any clear direction on our personal finances and we let, you know, people push products on us who it wasn't to our benefit. Or we were just out here spending money and using credit and had no idea what was going on. Right? I believe we have an obligation for us to talk to our kids, expose them to things, educate them, make sure that when they step out of here, the first time that they hear credit, the first time that they see a $100 bill or money in general is not from somebody else, but it's from your home, you know, it's under the, it's, it's under a place of love and education and that, here, take this and give me something back, right? They want to spend their whole life going through that. But let's take the time that we have with them at a young age and educate them, motivate them. Let them know that you can do anything in this world that you want to do. Let them know that, you know, if you make the right decisions now, that some opportunities that were not afforded to me because of my actions, you can get those afforded to you. I believe in talking to your kids and letting them know some of the hurdles that you overcame or some of the challenges that you faced to show them that, listen, you're going to go through things, things are going to happen, but you have a choice. You always have a choice. There's always a choice, right? And then to me, that establishes that relationship with the child or with the youth that's saying, hey, I can go to this person because I can relate to them. They're not, they're not looking down on me. They're not judging me. They've been through things too. So that's what I believe. All right, so those are pretty good questions. Really good. You know, again, don't stop using your credit, but using in a way in, in a way that's going to help you. 
<clears throat> employers, they sometimes do for clear credit file. If they're looking at specific things, and a good age to start, I believe, a good age to start is when you can have that dialogue. Not even necessarily a, a full-blown dialogue, but when you think your kid is, you know, mature enough to sit down and really listen to you, and you kind of have that discussion with them. And that's your kid. You want, you know that. That could be four years old. That could be five. That could be six. You know, I always mm-hmm. say, guys, uh, um, you know, we learn slower than females. I don't know how true that is. But, yeah. So we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Mr. Caprice Coleman. He's going to grace us with his presence. Talk to us about a little bit of what he's doing in, in his realm. Again, he's a professional wrestler. He's a minister. He's a motivational speaker. That means he can slam you on your neck and pray for you. That's bad right there. That, that, that's bad. Okay, one thing, quick break. We'll be right back. You listen to I Talk Credit. Tap your network. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah. This is the real one, baby. I'm telling you. Shot cast in. Up. She has no idea what she's doing in college That major that she majored and don't make no money But she won't drop out her parents to look at her funny Now, tell me that ain't insecure The concept of school seems so secure Sophomore three years ain't picked a career She like, get I'll just stay down her and do it Cause that's enough money to buy her a few pairs of new ears Cause her baby daddy don't really care She's so precious with the peer pressure Couldn't afford a car so she named her daughter Alexis Yeah, so long that it looked like weave Then she cut it all off, now she look like Eve And she be dealing with some issues that you can't believe Single black female addicted to retail as well uh. And when it falls down, who you gonna call now? Come on, come on And when it all falls down Man, I promise I'm so self-conscious That's why you always see me with at least one of my watches Rollies and posses and drove me crazy I can't even pronounce nothing Pass that for safety Then I spent 400 bucks on this Just to be like, you ain't up on this And I can't even go to the grocery store Without some ones that's clean And a shirt with a team We live in the American dream The people high up got the lowest of esteem The prettiest people do the ugliest thing But a road to riches and diamond rings Floss cause they the greatest We tryna buy back our 40 acres And for that paper look how low we a scoop Even if you in a band you still in the cool Come on, come on And when it falls down who you gonna call now Come on, come on And when it all falls down I say the police that's how I treat them. We buy our way out of jail, but we can't buy freedom. We'll buy a lot of clothes, but we don't really need them. Things we buy to cover up what's inside. Cause they made us hate ourselves and love their wealth. That's why Shorty Tyler, where the ball is at? Drug dealer by Jordan, crack kid by crack. And a white man get paid off for all of that. But I ain't even gonna act totally other than that. I went to Jacob with 25 now. Before I had a house and I knew it again. I wanna be on 106 and fall, wishing the bands. I wanna act for all the like it's all terrific. I got a couple pass through bills, I won't get specific. I got a problem with spending before I get it. We all subconscious, I'm just the first to admit. Yeah, come on, come on. 
And when it falls down, who you gonna call now? Come on, come on. And when it all falls down, Southside, Southside, we gon' set this party off right. Westside, Westside, we gon' set this party off right. Shot town, shot town, we gon' show them how we get down. I'm feeling you just like a safe belt, save my life. Can't keep working like this. This grave ship is like a slave ship. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Ira Royal, on the I Talk Credit Radio show, Cap Builder Network. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to bring Mr. Caprice Coleman onto the show. Hey, Mr. Caprice, how you doing, sir? One second, let me make sure we're not having technical difficulties. Let me try that again. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, hello, can you hear me? Sorry about that. Yeah, I can hear you now. We All have right. a couple of difficulties, but I think we're good now. All right, cool, man. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you, sir? I cannot complain. I cannot complain. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really excited. You know, me and you had a, a wonderful conversation, and I knew from the moment that I got out of the you know, the vehicle that I wanted to have you on the show and kind of talk about what you're doing in the community, um, you know, how your experiences through wrestling and, of course, your ministry are impacting youth and and just what you have, what's your vision for the future. So I really appreciate you wanting to come on the show and share that. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you perfectly. Hello? Okay, okay. I, I had to I switched it over to my Bluetooth. I was making sure it wasn't me. Uh, no, I'm... I'm appreciative that you had me on the show, man. I was listening to some of the stuff that you're saying, man, and I I believe it's awesome what you're teaching people, what you're giving people insight to. And uh, I know you were saying, like, it's okay to have differences of opinion and all, and I agree with you, man, because I believe just being able to talk about credit and talking about money and, and getting used to talking about uh, stuff like that gets you in the realm to where you can make your own decision and you know there are more options out there and there's not just one way to do things. But if you're not in the know and you're not in the conversation, uh, you don't know where you fit in at. And I believe there's so many different ways to fit in that where there's a way for everybody to have good credit, to have a, a good credit score, to be able to set a budget, to be able to get uh, ahead in life. So I really appreciate shows like this, man, especially being able to give uh, access to this type of stuff to people that might not have been uh, privy to it before. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. For me, my whole agenda, and I want to say my mission and purpose, is to use all of the things that I went through in the past, some of the struggles that I had, and then the knowledge that I got on a, 
um, a professional level and spread it and have people have those conversations, have that dialogue. If you don't agree with something, why don't you? Why don't you agree with it? I believe today we kind of stop at the, you know, we don't have enough discussions. We don't, we don't dialogue at all. It's, everything is so one-sided. If you don't believe something, that's what you don't believe and you don't talk about it. Nobody has to come to the table and debate anymore, right? And I believe it's through right. those debates, through those discussions that we both learn, right? So I'm a definitely a huge proponent right. of debate and, and having that meaningful discussion where everybody walks away. We might not agree, but we can agree to disagree, right? Right. Yeah. I yeah, believe, so tell us a little um, bit about you, Mr. Coleman. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, you're a professional wrestler and you're a minister, and to me that, that's just amazing because, like I said before, you can slam somebody on their neck and you can pray over them for healing, and that's just amazing. Yeah. Man, we slam them and save them. That's what we do, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I love it, man. I, uh, I, I've been wrestling for, for over 20 years now, and um, I've been blessed. Uh, to be able to continue to do it at the level that I do it. Uh, I wrestle for a company called Ring of Honor, which is the third largest promotion, wrestling promotion uh, in the world. And uh, this is what I do. I'm able to pay my bills with it. And I, it wasn't like this from the beginning. I did it as a hobby for a long time. And I believe where uh, you and I conversation took off is when I was telling you that um, there's a lot of people that have a dream and, and they want to uh, chase certain things in life and they don't know how to go about it. And there's some people that just chase that totally and they just sell everything out and they go towards that. And there are people that, you know, like I did, have a family and you have to make choices and you have to do other jobs and you have to make other sacrifices to make sure that you're still able to do it. And um, I feel that through life I've found out uh, both ways on how to do it to where I am able, just like you are teaching people about credit, I can teach people about following their dreams and actually excelling at it um, and, and coaching them on in life. So I've taken on a lot of mental responsibility, coaching a lot of the uh, up-and-coming wrestlers, not only just wrestlers, entertainers, period, uh, that are interested in, in, in getting into the entertainment field um, because a lot of people that are in the entertainment field, they have so much in common, whether it be singing, dancing, rapping, uh, acting or, or whatever. If you're an entertainer, there's so many uh, aspects that you have in common with the entertainment world. So I, I do that, and then the ministry that I work with. At one church, I'm assistant pastor, and I'm not active there anymore because we moved four years ago. So they still support me. They still uh, send me a lot of respect. I'm actually going to be there this Sunday. Uh, the church that I'm currently at is World Worship Church, where I work with the youth ministry, and I also work on the praise team. I believe that it's very important uh, for me uh, to have a spiritual base and, and to keep a spiritual life in check because of what I do and the calling that's on my life uh, to make sure that I continue to be fed while I'm going out. So when I go out to other places, they don't just see Caprice Coleman, the wrestler, that they can see Caprice Coleman, the minister, without me always having to preach to them the way I live in front of them. Uh, they know something different about me. And I know now for a fact that uh, the life that I live, people are watching me and they're telling, not telling me that they're watching. And, and that's almost like a, uh, something that I need to know. And it gives me a reason to stay uh, in check, to, to stay um, in, in right standing, because you never know who's watching. And I've learned through, through life that uh, there's people that watch me that's changed their life for the better. And I, I give that uh, glory to God. 
You know, I can't say, oh, because I did something great because they could have saw me doing something crazy and their life been different, you know. But uh, through them, uh, through, they said through seeing me and watching the way that I act around them, that uh, they were able to change their lives. So uh, I believe that that goes in all aspects of, uh, of work, you know, in whatever you're doing. If you do it um, as, as if you're doing it unto God, people will be blessed from it. I hope I'm not talking too much, man. I just asked me for a little spill, so. Uh, no, no, no. Here. This is what I. This is this is your world, man. That's why I wanted you on the show to tell your story and, you know, give us insight into what you're working on with your beliefs and your vision. And I, I definitely agree with you. I personally believe that everybody has a passion. Everybody has a gift that God has given them. Like He created every last one of us with a gift. And a lot of times, when me and you had this discussion, a lot of times we go yep. through life. We're doing everything but what we're supposed to be doing and wondering why we aren't as successful or our definition of success, you know, that we could be. And I, I believe that if you're working in your passion, if you are using God's gift that he created you with, that you will be the best. I'm not saying you're going to be better than everybody in the world, but you will stand out and you will do it flawlessly because that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? That's not what you're choosing to do to make money. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And I believe we had talked about uh, that before. There's a lot of people, especially in today's time, uh, you get caught up in what's going on now and you want to be part of what's going on now. And it might not be what you was created to do. And I was talking to a youth group um, Friday and I was talking to the youth and, I, and they, were, they were some of the young kids. And I was asking them, what do they want to be when they grow up? Because I really believe like at the young age, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, when a child knows, you know, what he wants to be, that's kind of in the ballpark of what he's really supposed to be because that's what he truly loves. He hasn't been contaminated with life yet that, that, that alters his dream. You know what I mean? And so and when they become teenagers and all, they start looking, oh, this makes this much money or this is not as popular as that, and it starts altering their choices of what they want to be in life. And so I, I really believe you could think back to what you wanted to be when you were a kid. You know, it's very close to what you're supposed to be uh, when you're growing up. And if it's not uh, 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 the exact same thing is definitely a filter or or a pathway, a tunnel to get you to what you're supposed to be doing. And so I really agree on that. And I'm frustrated that in today's society that the the uh, the norm that's given to us, um, and even like I think we were talking about the music industry, how they've contaminated to the point to where it has the illusion that you don't really have to have talent to be able to sing or to be able to rap or to be able to you know, get into that industry. And the bad thing that it does is people that, you know, that, that say they want to do that now, they don't realize that the artist, when I was growing up, and I hate saying that because I sound like, you know, my parents, you know, real music when I was growing up uh, or whatever, but <laughs> the artist or, or whatever, when I was growing up, you know, they made it, uh, they didn't, they weren't overnight successes. These were people that, you know, when you heard on the radio, you, you might have bought her their album for the first time and they hit the stores for the first time. But they got five or six albums under their belt already. You know, they were just now discovered. But now in today's society, they're almost picking people that look the part and feeding them what they want to feed them and, and giving them the lyrics, you know, to, to these pop singer, easy-to-memorize songs that aren't feeding the people anything. And they're not hiring people that are giving uh, the true message that they used to give in, in hip-hop and, and, even, and, and even different types of music. Uh, they're feeding their minds with, with, with just fillers. Uh, instead of sending messages through people. And I believe that the music industry is almost uh, keen on not giving people with 
uh, insight or people that uh, or conscious rappers or whatever a chance because uh, they know that it's feeding uh, our youth uh, the right message. So they would rather feed our youth a message of, uh, you know, uh, disdain. So uh, there's a lot of that. I, I kind of feel personal about that. And I'm not even a musician, really. But I just see that a lot of the, you know, teenagers that I talk to, you know, one of the first things they say, I want to be a basketball player, or I want to be a football player, or I want to be a rapper, you know. And, and nine times out of ten, when I talk to these people and I, I continue to talk to them, uh, especially the ones that I want to get into the music industry, they don't really have any talent. They just see that the, the mentality of the music industry now is a rock star mentality that you can just get a hit and, and you make it the rest of your life. And that's not the way the music industry works. Yeah, I mean, I think we have, we're in an age where, you know, craftsmanship is non-existent. You know, yeah. actually taking that, your craft serious, your professional, um, just like the term athlete, right? That The term yeah. athlete yeah. means more than just getting out there and dribbling a basketball or catching a football or hitting a baseball. Athlete Absolutely. talks about leadership. It talks about, you know, how you take questions, how you talk with people, um, how you build your relationships on it, on and off the court, on and off the field. That's a true athlete. What you're doing when you're not in front of those cameras to get ready for those games, you're taking it serious. And I think, like you said, we're in this instant gratification age where everything happens now. There's no more hard work, right? You want to win yeah. tomorrow. You don't want to take the losses and learn from those and build upon your craft or, or build upon your profession See to make it to that number one spot. You want it now. You feel as though you deserve it now. And if you don't have it I, now, I, yeah. then it's a problem. Everybody else's problem. And, you know, you, I, I definitely agree with you. It's up to us to teach our youth that, hey, look, you know, that's not that's not realistic. And you they, you want to hear that from us and hear that from somebody who doesn't even care about them, who they're going to get out here and when right. they get knocked down, they're going to look at them like, well, you better get yourself up, you know yeah. So I definitely yeah. I am my my children now I'm 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 hard on them because of the reality that that we live in. And my wife she pulls my coattails sometimes because you know we live in a world that if you can't keep up they'll just leave you behind. And 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 one of the problems that I had with one of my children is my children are not problem children. You know my my children are taught that if you go to school it's the teacher's job to teach you not to show you how to act in class. So if she has to show you how to act in class, we have an ex- extremely fast course that will teach you at home how to act in class, and you will return the next day the best student. So that was not the issue oh, that right. we were dealing with. <laughs> the issue that we were dealing with is, is that uh, one of our uh, children who, uh, were silently in the class not doing his job or whatever. So uh, so he was kind of like the silent, the silent flunker. And, and, and the problem with that is, it's almost as if the school system is set up the where if you're not a problem, it's not a problem to the teacher. So if you're sitting there and you're not, you know, causing trouble or whatever like that and you're still not doing your work, the teacher doesn't notice it because you're not making her job harder, you know. And so, so what I was telling them is, you know, these teachers are smiling at you and, and, and not just not bashing teachers because I believe teachers have the hardest job in the world and get paid far less than they deserve. But I'm saying – a teacher would smile at you and pat you on the back and all that stuff and put an F down and, and, and see you again next year because they're going to do their job, you know. And if you're not giving them a problem, you're just making it easier for them to do it, 
you know, you have to do the grades, you have to do the study, you have to pass the test, you know. And so I believe that's the way it is in our life period, that you don't know how to catch up. The world is not going to say, oh, this is what you need to do to catch up. You need to do this, this, that, and the third. And if you do that, we're going to do that. They may say that, but they're not going to teach you how to do that. And if you don't learn how to do that, and a lot of times if you haven't done it, it's because you don't know how to do it. You know, a lot of people, like I talked to you about the credit thing, you know, that was non-existent to my parents. We were just taught, don't spend more than you have. Work hard. You know what I mean? Uh, we didn't know about setting up a budget. We didn't know about snowballing debt. We didn't know about IRA rates and stuff like that because that wasn't part of our growing up. It wasn't part of our existence. So when we were privy to it and we were able to learn those things, it was, it was, uh, I felt it was, it was a need for me to pass it on to other people. It was a need for me to pass it on not only to other people, but to my next generation. Uh, like you said, you talked to your daughter about money and all that. You know, my children now, you know, we got a budget set up in our house. We talk about the budget all the time. You know, when we get ready to go out to eat, you know, my daughter said, hey, is it in the budget for us to go out to eat at the church? <laughs> you know, because they are now, they listen about the budget and they're learning how to work a budget at a young age because these are things they need to know that because, so they don't make the same mistakes that we made growing up. That's right. That's right. And, man, I commend you for that. And, you know, in one of my prior shows, I had a um, a lady from a youth empowerment operation home. She's over the youth. And we were talking about, you know, how back in the day, you know, or our parents, you would never hear anything about finances, right? It was almost a taboo subject to talk about bills, to yep. talk about money, because it yep. was your child staying in a child's place. And yep. I believe gone are the days where you can, you know, shield your kids from learning. Like you have to have these discussions yep. with them about finances, about money, about credit, about things that are real. Like when you get out of school or even when you're in school, these are the obstacles that you're going to face. You know, you're going to deal with these things, and you need to be prepared. We cannot send our kids out into this world, and the first time they hear about money, finances, savings, is when somebody is telling them no. How defeated, yeah, and, how defeated and, are you with that? Like, you, you, you're you sitting behind a desk with somebody with a suit on, and they're telling you, no, you can't have this, and you don't even know why. Yeah, and I think the scariest thing, even even though, even though even with that, is, you know, the family that grows up where the dad gets paid on Friday, and, and you see the mom and dad sitting at the table and they're taking that one check and trying to pay all the bills, you know, because they don't know how to do anything else. That's basically what, what they learn. So you have the mindset of, okay, I go to work and I work hard and then I come home and I give my check to my wife and she pays the bills uh, with what, what we have and we see what else we can do with if there's anything left over, you know. And, and a lot of times they didn't speak to us about it because they didn't know anything, you know, and <clears> – <throat> They didn't have much to talk about because to them that was cut, dry, and simple, you know, and there's so much more to money uh, than that, you know, and, and, and if you don't know about it, you get stuck in that same tundra to where it's how much did you make, how much can you spend, uh, or whatever like that, and you're not building wealth, you're not building income, you're not building equity on anything because you don't know about it. And if you don't know about it, nobody's going to be uh, anxious to teach you about it because it's almost like they're ahead of the curve knowing something that you don't know. And a lot of times that has to do with, with, with people of color because if we don't know it, they're not going to show it to us, and they, but you're supposed to know it. So if they didn't show you something you're supposed to know, they automatically have a reason to eliminate you from the process. That's right. Or they're scared if they teach it to you, then you can kind of get an upper hand on them or you'll take some away, some of their success away. We, we still, as a race, we still have that crab in a barrel mentality, and it's for a lot of different reasons. 
Um, it, yeah. Some of it is because, you know, we were placed in situations where we weren't able to have access to certain information. So once we got that information, we hoarded it, right? Nobody can have this because it yeah. took me so long to get this. I don't want anybody to take it away from yeah. And what I, I hope and I think we're going to get there is after a while we'll learn that only true power or, you know, is going to be through disseminating information, giving it to the youth, and making sure we have a strong community around us and not just forwarding that. And we're starting to see that a little bit more than in the past, but I hope we kind of further that along in the future. Definitely, with, I Absolutely. made a promise to myself and my kids, like, I'm going, I want to expose them to as much as about finances, you know, about building businesses, creating relationships, all of the things that, some of the things that were told me when I was young, I didn't pay attention, but I want to make sure they're exposed to those things. And I personally want to break the generational curse that I felt like was on my family of living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Right? I don't Absolutely. want my kids to go through that. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm today, I want to leave them with something. I want that that last name to mean something more than just, hey, write on a check to pay a bill. Like, I want to pass them something so they can pass it to their kids. That's what I want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that's. That's the that's the dream that we're all supposed to have, especially as men, um, to be able to leave something to where, or leaving a legacy behind to where our children, our offspring are better than we were or better than we'll ever be, and their offspring will be better than them, you know. And, and I believe one of the main things is teaching them stuff that we didn't know, you know, and giving them access to stuff that we didn't know and, and making it okay for them. I'm watching this series now, and I don't know if you ever watched a show called Underground, and, and I'm, man, I'm hooked on it. You know, I watched season one and now season two uh, is playing or whatever. And there's a part in it that, that sticks out to me about this one slave that uh, he's learning how to read. And, like, it's top secret, you know. And it's like, you know, he can't tell anybody he knows how to read, but he's learning all this stuff and all. And, and it made me think about what you said, how, you know, sometimes we'll get information and we keep it because for so long, you know, it's been like, oh, you know that? You know it. You know, you're not supposed to know how to read. Master going to kill you reading, you know. And so we, we try to keep it top secret. And I also was talking to this lady the other day. I was giving her a ride, and she was talking about her children, and she was talking about how um, how overprotective she is for her children, how she don't understand how parents can just let uh, – she was going to the airport, and she was working there, and she was like how kids be flying around in the airport and all. And, um, and she was like, well, my kids, I have to be with them everywhere they go, and I'm not letting go of them. And I thought about, like, you know, that slave mentality, how, you know, we were taught that because you never knew when your parent, when your, when your family was going to be separated. So you held on to your kids as hard as you could, you know, and you wouldn't let them out of your sight. And in the long run, that kind of hurts because when it's time for them to get out of the nest, they don't know where to go because, you know, you've held on to them for so long, you know. So there's a lot of generational oh, curses. Uh, that that, that right. need to be broken uh, because of that that slave mentality that goes on to, through so many things, you know, and, and, and I believe the first thing we need to know is to be able to address, you know, what's a slave mentality, you know, and, and not just put it as, you know, uh, thinking that, oh, a slave mentality is, is, is uh, uh, thinking of slavery or holding No, it's not that. Slave mentality is anything that hooks you and keeps you from going on to the future. I believe uh, the Nike, the Nike and sneaker mentality is a slave mentality, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's forcing teenagers and, and some young adults and older adults to have the newest pair of shoes cost four or $500. You can't wear them more than three months, and, and you can't, but, but they, they still live with their mom. You know what I'm saying? You don't have a car, and, but you're walking around with a nice pair of shoes on. Who are you impressing? 
That's right. You know, and that mentality, you gotta have the you gotta have the you gotta have the newest one out. You gotta have the name brand clothes on. And there's so many I, I never understood it, you know, when I was riding the bus and we would go through the projects how, you know, the kids, you know, I, I I didn't notice it then, but I notice it now that, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we'd pick up kids in the project and I didn't live too far from it because I didn't grow up rich, but everybody had on the newest Jordans and had on this or whatever. And I was like, when I thought about it, when I'm old, I'm like, hold up, these kids lived in the project, but they had on the Jordans and they had on name brand clothes and all this stuff. You know, they spent all this money trying to show people that they're better than what they were. That if they would have took that $400, $500 for that jacket that they spent, and invested in something else, they wouldn't be in the same living situation. But the mentality is show people that you're better than what you are. You know, I was watching this one guy that was talking about uh, investing money and all, and he was talking about how he started working with people. And he started working with a lot of artists, you know, and, and the artists that he was working with, you know, a lot of them were color. And he was thinking, oh, man, you know, uh, he would have somebody to walk in uh, that, that, that wore, you know, tore up jeans or whatever like that. And, and he was thinking, oh, man, this might not be good. And that person, you know, have so much money. But then he walked in with somebody, and, and, and they have necklace on and driving up on all this fancy car and all this kind of stuff. And he go get down to business with them, talk about money, and they ain't got nothing because they're spending more than they have. You know, and that's the mentality that we have. A lot of times we start making a little bit of money, and we start spending more of it trying to show people that we're making money. We start making $50,000 a year, and we go out and buy Mercedes Benz. To show somebody we're making that much a year. Why? That's right. Now you call, bro. Like you said, we have to to show people that we're successful. And it's it's embarrassing because I I drive an older model car, and I can have a better car, but I drive this car because it's about to be paid off at work, and ain't nothing wrong with it. You know, my wife drives a car the same way, and, like, we pay these things off, and it's like you pay these things off, I don't care who looks at me funny. Because I'm not here to impress you. I'm married with children. I got bills to pay. <laughs> my, as long as exactly. my wife is impressed, all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you got to get out of that mentality of impressing other people. You have to get out of that mentality of wanting to be the first John to get this and the, and the first one to get this and the first one on the block to get that. Because if you're impressing people on the block, guess who's going to be impressed? People on the block. But guess what? The world is a whole lot bigger than your block. And if they can keep your mentality on the block, they don't have to worry about you on their next street. That's so true. And, and you know what? I hate to always take it to music and to hip-hop um, or just music in general, but I will say this. And, and first of all, let, let me make this first statement, that it is I personally believe that the TV, the radio, the teachers um, should not be raising your child, right? That is your job. That is the parent's job. That's our job. We should be raising our children. However, we have to understand and be aware that they have different influences outside of that home, right? So I'll take it to hip-hop, and I only say this because I believe that hip-hop plays a large role in the mentalities of our youth, and I'm speaking to some of our youth, African-American, that listen to that, that are influenced by that, because they're seeing those cars. They're seeing those that clothes. You know, they're seeing that lifestyle, and they want to emulate that, right, where I had a conversation with an older gentleman. I believe he was in his 70s, and he said that, you know, back in, his people wanted to be like their parents. They looked at their fathers and their mothers, and that was their role model, right? Then we went to the civil rights age where it was the Martin Luther King, the Mega Evers, those people who were role models. And then the switch happened where we're not looking at them anymore. We're looking at entertainers that are role models. 
And, I, you know, when that switch happened, now you have people placing, you know, Michael Jordans and, um, you know, Michael Jacksons on this throne. And they're just men. And they're, at the end of the day, they're making, a, they're making a check to entertain you, you know, but that, not really that public servant. So I thought that was, it was interesting. I never thought about it that way. But, yeah. But, you know, and that's, that's very powerful what you said. And I believe that the main thing behind that is the word entertainment in TV and media. You know, it's put in their face. And the reason why, you know, we keep bringing up hip-hop and we keep bringing up music, because that's what we are, that's what we get. That's what we are accustomed to. That's what we have access to. And it's free. It's everywhere. And I'm a a true believer that anything that you study, you become. Anything you study, you know, you become part of. And to study something, you have to read it. You have to memorize it. You have to hear it repetitively. And music is the only thing that is a free study. And a free study is you hear it repetitively, you learn the song, and you repeat the song. You repeat the song enough to where you become the song. And so if you're hearing something and you're repeating it enough and it's not doing anything for you and it's telling you to find as many women as you can and you're not really a man unless you had a woman and you're not really making money unless you're able to throw money, you know, and all this, and you hear it long enough, then you become that, you know. And so you have a lot of these people walking down the street talking to themselves because they become that mentality. And, and I believe that People have caught on to that to where they could put anything in the music, and that's what they end up changing the culture to. How many babies you think were made off drunken love? <laughs> you know, because, that's true. because the music was set up for, for people uh, to do that, and it's almost a trap to where the music is the trap to, to leave uh, a generation behind, to leave a generation behind as a trap a generation uh, to not becoming anything. Uh, you listen to one radio station, and it's telling you, you know, get women, get this and that. And, and you listen to another a radio station. It's saying, marry that girl. I'm going to marry her anyway. Which one is giving a message? You know, so the, the music has, I believe, a, a choice of where it's going to, you know, in the message that it's having. But if there's one side that's getting fed and there's one side that's – and there's not too much feeding on any side, to be honest with you, because a lot of the music today is catchy, un, untrained artists. Uh, or whatever, but if you if you listen to anything repetitively, after a while you become what you're listening to because you're studying it. That's, that's very true. Study. You know, my mom used to always tell me, "Your eyes and your ears are the gateway to your soul." And it's very yeah. true. What you see and what you hear influences you, right? I know personally, if I'm sitting listening to um, somebody rap about, you know, that's all about money. Me, 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 I got this, I got that. It makes me feel like what I need to do with money is to, you know, buy things, is to make sure people know I'm successful compared to if I'm listening right. to something inspirational or something that's talking about, no, it's not just about you. Are you helping other people? You know, then it makes me want to say, oh, man, like I can't just use this for me. I need to use what I'm blessed with to bless other people. And a person, it's yeah. foolish to think if what you're not listening to is influencing your behaviors. It's influencing how you think things, how you take in information, you know, consciously and unconsciously um, make decisions based off of that. And it does, you know, but like you said, I think right now we have a lot lot of our youth, not even youth, you have, oh, I mean, you got people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s doing this. So it's not just our youth, it's a society thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And I I believe it's strategically placed that way. You know, it's, it's just according to a plan. You know, and, and, but I remember when I was younger, um, when I got a job or whatever, one of the first things I wanted to do was buy a gold chain. 
you know, and I actually still have a gold chain. The first, my first line of credit was a Figaro gold chain that I bought from I forget what jewelry store, and I made payments on it. And I'm and that, and I wore that gold chain. I made sure you could see that in whatever I wore, you know, because it was something about you had to have a gold chain that just made you made you it. You know what I mean? And it was like uh, it's the mentality that's set up to where you know you got to show that you have money. You know, I had the gold chain and a fossil watch. Boy, you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> it was the mentality that, oh, this person has money, you know, and uh, and that's back in the day, you know, gold chains and Nautica cologne and Tommy Hilfiger cologne and, and all this stuff. You know, if you had all that, man, you you untouchable, you know, and, and it was just a show. It was a show of, you know, what to spend your money on. And then the next thing is what you're buying and, 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 and how much clothes you got, what what shoes you got on. And what name brand are your clothes and all this stuff? And now, you know, man, I, I was actually in Walmart in uh, Roses today. I saw Roses that I ain't never saw before, and I went Roses and went straight to the um, clothes department and bought me some T-shirts. <laughs> the good thing about having you a nice shape is, that, yeah, Roses. I didn't know they still existed. I went in there like the, uh, yeah, I know Roses like, still had stores open. <laughs> Man, I went in there like that that dude, that survival dude, like there's the last one in existence. We're gonna go in it today and see what's inside. <laughs> I know that's right. I was, ex- I was excited to go in there because I was like, I'm gonna have access to something nobody knows about. And I went and bought some exactly. pizzas. I need the good thing about being in state. Say what now? I said got that exclusive. Absolutely, absolutely. I almost didn't want to tell nobody about it. <laughs> but uh, I went and got some T-shirts, and I was like, you know, uh, the good thing about being in state is you can buy a two-dollar T-shirt and it look like a million bucks. And so I don't have exactly. to spend name brands. Everything I wear, everything I wear is a Caprice Coleman. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> look, man, I can't even tell you when the last time I can't tell you when the last time I spent over twenty dollars for a pair of jeans. And I know some of my friends out here yep. dropping hundreds of dollars on jeans. I, re- I, re- I can't. I can't man. do it. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you one of my secrets. I I let my children my children could wear, you know, name brand clothes and all because they're at that age to where you know the kids pick at you know. And I don't buy them much now. I just have them look nice, you know. But me, man, I stopped yesterday. I went by Salvation Army, and I grew up, you know, at yard sales and all that kind of stuff. So I got an eye. I went to Salvation Army. I spent twenty dollars. It was half off Wednesday. I got me like seven pair of shorts. I got me some gym shorts and some daggone cargo shorts. They're in great condition, and when I look at them, when I wear them, they're going to look brand new. People are like, how you dress so nice? I don't spend a whole lot of – one pair I, – I bought seven pair of shorts for $18. That don't even make sense when you think about it. You know what I'm saying? But when I no. wear it, I'm going to look like a million percent <laughs> because I know how That's to right. do it. You know, I, I don't have a pride. I don't have a pride of, of, of thrift shopping. Uh, oh, 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 you walked into Goodwill. So what? And I'm going to walk out of Goodwill with a bag. <laughs> You know, because exactly. I don't have that mindset that I have to have brand new. And my wife, you know, she grew up in, uh, you know, where you the name brand and all that stuff now. And, man, if she started seeing some of the stuff I was coming home with, well, she'll go in there now, too, because it's not it's not on the name brand. It's not always on the, you know, the price. I mean, people, people wear its name tag, I mean, the price tag on what they bought just to show people how much money they spent on it. Now, how much, how much, that, how much sense does that make? It's a pride yeah, thing, you know. And so we can, we can go to these places, man. We go to Plato's Closet. My son's shoe game was so sick. You walk past and you might throw up. And we ain't spent no <laughs> no hundred dollars on no shoes. <laughs> I go to this this store called Plato's Closet, and it's it's uh it's right beside one of the universities. 
that a lot of college kids go through. And when these college kids get lower money, guess what they do? They sell the shoes that their parents bought for them. And they, my son is right the right size for a lot of these shoes. And he got Jordans and Nikes and LeBron James and all this stuff. And they paid $200 for them. I ain't paid 30 And they look brand new. He got that's right. another, a, a pair of shoes for every day of the week. And they think he's balling. He ain't balling. He's got a dad that's smart and got a good eye. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you know what? And I always, so I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and I said, you know, People use that. I don't think they use it that much more, but the word swag, right? And I always mm-hmm. said that when I was growing up, swag had nothing to do with your clothes. It had nothing to do with no. what, how, you know, what shape of some yarn was sketching, whether that's polo, Nike, whatever. It had to do with your confidence. Mm-hmm. It had to do with your character. It had to do with your, you know, like your style. Like, and and that just because it was you. Yeah. Whether you threw on some jeans yeah, that were from... Walmart or, or jeans that were food, but whatever. What, you made that. Like, your personality exuded yeah. what you had on. Then it came to a place yeah. where swag had everything to do with what type of clothes that you mm-hmm. have on. You know, and, and it's so people live behind, they, they amass themselves behind those labels, right? And then I, yeah. often they don't know who they are because they're an extension of those labels. It's almost like I said, it's put to take the to take the, uh, uh, the, the, the pride off the person and put it on the merchandise. So if you got somebody wearing a Tommy Hilfiger, you know, it, it's about the shirt and not about the person. And the person feels good because they have that shirt on. You know, I, I believe, um, and this might be a little off off kilter, but uh, I believe society has, has made a way to help us uh, not to look at ourselves uh, and have any type of confidence. You know, I think about even with athletes, you know, there was a time, where I was ashamed to tell somebody I was an athlete because I was at, I want to say I was in the airport one day uh, or something, and somebody walked by or whatever, and I heard two people talking or whatever, and, uh, it, and this person walked by, and he had on, you know, the, the chains and all this kind of stuff on or whatever, and he got in the line. I think he got, like, first class or uh, something like that, got first class ticket, and I heard somebody murmur, mm, he must be a, an athlete or a rapper. You, you know what I'm saying? And there was to say, like, oh, you know, he wouldn't be able to do that unless he was doing something, some form of entertainment or something like that. And I was thinking about how it's been downgraded to where somebody like that, you know, it's low looked upon. So I was almost ashamed to tell people about that. But then I thought about it. Why were why are people ashamed to do that? And I thought about this, you know, in the 40s uh, and all this, when, when we were stopping segregation and was going through that law and, and blacks were allowed in the sports. And I'm trying not to make this a racial thing. But, I'm, but hear me out on this. When, um, before blacks were allowed in sports, sports was a huge thing. It was a tremendous thing. You know, in these, these, these uh, sports people were, were highly praised and all. But then once uh, black people were put in the sports and they started, you know, taking over and doing this, or they're supposed to do that because, you know, that, that's where they come from. They're used to doing that, running in the jungle uh, and all this stuff. So they start downplaying the sports because we were excelling in it. So they use the way to downplay those things. Uh, so, so when when there's an athlete or whatever, you're almost ashamed to say you're an athlete because the the way it's been downplayed. You know. So uh, I want to encourage yeah. people that if you are somebody, be who you're gonna be. Be that all the way you're gonna be. I'm not. You not. You can't be an athlete your whole life. So the smart thing is to be an athlete, but have that plan B. Be able with me now with wrestling. You know, I wrestle, but I also work in production. I also work in talent development. I also do commentary. I also work in management. Why? Because I want to be versatile in what I do. So I'm not easy to get rid of. I'm not going to be able to wrestle for the rest of my life. 
but I can talk for a very long time. And guess what? I was born to talk. You know, I was created to talk. That's kind of what I was created to do. And so if I can get paid to do that, guess what I'm going to be able to do? You take that, uh, what gifts you've been given, and you, and you use it as access to get into a door. Once you get into that door, let your other gifts keep you in that door. So if they get rid of me, they got to get rid of five people, man. <laughs> right. Because I'm going to make my Exactly. So, so I make myself that versatile. And, and so you have to do that, you know, especially I, I say athletes or entertainers and all. Just like Jay Z, you know, he went in there as a rapper, but when he was in there, he's looking at the tables and he's looking at the money. He's looking at producers and, and all that and finding out, okay, how are you making money? Well, Michael Jordan, when he got the shoes or whatever, he's like, he got that check and, and that first Nike check. And, and his check, you know, was $1 million, And then somebody he ain't never seen before got a check for $30 million. He's like, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm on the shoe. That's me. That's my shadow. That's my jersey number. I got $1 million. This guy got $30 million. I want to know what he's doing. That's where Jordan came from. You know, you got to learn how to get inside of what, you, uh, what you're part of and learn where the, where the money is, you know, because it, I believe a lot of times our gifts, our access is through doors to get us to where our dreams and where our destiny is. So you use that gift. Don't be ashamed of whatever your gift is. Use it because your gift is a tool to get you to where you're supposed to be at. I feel like I'm talking too much, man, but you kind of get me on the road oh, there, man. man. You spend some real, you spend some real knowledge and some real wisdom, and that's what our viewers they love to hear, and that's what we need to hear, man. We need to know, we need to start talking more about, you know, why we're here and, and chasing our purpose, chasing our destiny, chasing our gifts, and not letting anybody distract us, not getting involved with all these marketing schemes, and you know, getting mixed up with these things that are just completely take us off the path that we're supposed to be on. So I appreciate it, man. I want you to talk as much as possible. Um, and I definitely want to have you back on the show, man. This is a wonderful conversation. And even when we're talking about race, one thing that I like about this show is we talk about the real, right? And, again, you might not agree with us, but it opens a dialogue, right? And that's what we need to yeah. have. We need to have more dialogue, more discussion. That's the only way we're going to learn. That's the only way we're going to keep progressing. So I don't, you know, I don't mind it at all. Speak what's on your heart. Speak how you feel. Yeah. And I, and oh. even with the race thing, I, I feel like that the, the, the way to help our race is like what you're doing now is to educate each other, is to show people different ways of looking at money, to show different avenues and different things they can do uh, to access money and different ways to make money. I believe the answer is within ourselves. You know, you can't expect somebody else to treat you right uh, if you're not treating yourself right. Uh, and long story short, you know, my kids were playing outside one day, and I think my daughter had fell, and my son was laughing at her outside, you know, and, and his friends, they were laughing or whatever like that. And immediately I called them both inside, and I said, I said, don't ever disrespect uh, your sister in front of other people. I said, because if you disrespect her in front of other people, when, the, when you're not around, they're going to disrespect her even more because you taught them to disrespect her, you know. And I feel that about our race. You know, if we continuously disrespect each other around each other and around other people, when other people see us uh, away from each other, they're going to disrespect us. They're going to disown us. They're not going to take us seriously because we don't take our, each other seriously. You know, and so I believe the, the, the tool is to, to, to be able to educate one another, to uplift one another, not to call 
your brother and sister, a, a, a nigger, and, and all this kind of stuff. Call them your brother. Call them your sister, the king and queen. You know, lift them up. Encourage them. Learn their name. Look them eye to eye. Look them face to face, you know, and, and speak life into them because that's where the, 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 the life is coming from. That's where vitality is coming from. That's where the positivity is coming from. That's where the change is coming from. The change is coming from the inside. If you walk into a store and you have your head up and you look like you talk and you look like you've got some sense, that person, uh, the person that you're talking to is going to listen to you. I know if I walk into a store right now and, and, and I've been driving for a while or whatever, I'm on the road and I walk in and I ask, and I ask the lady, can I use the bathroom? If I ask somebody if I can use the bathroom, the, if you could try this yourself. Go to a store and just say, hey, can I use the bathroom? The first pr- thing they're going to do is going to look you from head to toe. If you look like somebody that's been outside, homeless or whatever, they won't let you use the bathroom. They're going to try to beat around the bush about it. But if you look like somebody's been taking care of yourself, they let you use the bathroom. Why is that? Because they, 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 they are judging you outside appearance. They're judging the way that you appear to people. And if, you work, if you're working on that, if you're working on how you're carrying yourself, you're not wearing your pants all kind of ways, you don't look like every other person that walks in, you look like somebody, they're going to treat you like somebody because you're teaching them how to treat them. If, you, if, you, if your conversation is the same type of conversation they're having and you're talking the same English that they're speaking and you're making sense out of what you're saying and you're not saying, yo, bro, this, that, and then if you're doing that, ain't nobody trying to hear that. Except on the block. When you get off the block, ain't nobody talking like that. So ain't nobody trying to hear that. No job, no lawyer's office, no doctor's office. Yo, I think you got kidney failure. You know what I'm saying? Who want to hear that? (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. And people people do business with or get my opinion people that are comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. If I'm not comfortable around you, you know, I don't want nobody around me talking. I don't even know what you said. I'm scared already because I don't know what you're saying. I don't know if you cursing me or blessing me. You That's know, right. dude, I, I was driving the exact same way. I was exact driving this dude one time, and this dude was like, "Man, man, you cool. I'm a, I'm a f with you. I'm a f with you." He kept, he kept saying the f word. I'm like, "I'm uh, is that a? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, is that a good thing? Yo, you cool, man. I'm a f with you, man. I'm gonna call. We go. F you. What? Really? That's the word now? You know? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure not." I'm sure he's not making a pass at me, but I think he's saying he wants to spend time with me. I think that's the new way of saying that he appreciates my company and we can hang out anytime. That's what I translated that to say, but it came across a whole other way. You know, why, why is this the way we communicate? <laughs> and expecting people to take us seriously, right? Yeah. So, and that's, this is that's my dog. That's right. That's I'm sorry, right. man. And it's up to us. That's what I'm saying. It's up to us to educate one another, man, to speak to one another. Right. And, like, shows like this, that's why I was so happy that you wanted me to be a part of this, man. And listening to you and the dialogue that you have and what you're teaching young, the young people, man, it's powerful stuff, man, because that's, that's the only way uh, for us to get out of the situation we're in is being able to reach out to one another, man. And even the people that are talking, I talk to anybody, man. And, and when I talk to people that are talking like that, I make sure that I'm communicating with them the same way I'm talking to you. You know, so when they see me and they see you, oh, man, he got muscles and he got this or whatever like that, I'm not going to talk no crazy talk. I'm going to talk to you the same way that I'm talking to everybody else. You know, so when you leave, you can see that, oh, man, I can be black and be successful and I don't have to turn coat and, and, and talk no crazy stuff. I can have common sense, you know, and it's not being a sellout. You know, it's being a person. 
You know, black is not a, a, a talk or a walk and, and all this type of stuff. I hate people. Oh, man, he, you, uh, my children talking, they're like, man, you talk like a white person. How does a white person talk? English? That's right. That's right. Man, you see, I got to have you back on here. We got we to gotta, we gotta continue this because there's so many different roles we can go on, man, and it touches so many areas of our life. Um, you know, with the whole acting black or acting white and that translates, I can translate to finances, I can translate to religion, a whole lot of things, but that's a discussion that, you know, we really need to have because we we hear it all the time. I definitely heard it growing up. You know, my wife, you yeah. know, she'll tell you in a minute, she when she grew up in, in, in New York and she used to always they used to always tell her, You talk like a white girl You know, because she talked yeah. I won't say proper, but she, you know, pronunciated all her words, right? And so yeah. and, and what that does to a kid, it, that makes you feel like you're separate. These people who look like you and supposed to embrace you, and that's what you're, they're supposed to do, but they separate themselves from you because you don't speak like them, you know? And, and you know what, man? Just, just like, that's just like the, 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 the house, the, the house uh, N-word in the field N-word. You know, that's, that's the sentence that's been put against yeah. us. From day one, you talking like a house. You talking like a house with you, you know, you you supposed to talk like a field people. You you too good now. You know why? Ain't no ain't nobody doing no fields and none of that stuff. Now we in America, we in a, a land of the free home of the brave. And yes, it is harder for us. I, I'm not gonna sit here and say everybody got. I'm not stupid. The road is harder for us, but a lot of times we're not making it easier by stay, standing here trying to stay dumb. You know, the, the first thing you do is educate each other. The second thing you do is support each other. If you see somebody doing right. something, trying to be a business, don't wait till they become a millionaire to support them. Support them now. You support right. your own people. Up. You know, it, you, people, it, it's so hard. Even, you know, it's so hard to see somebody doing something uh, 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 it, 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 like, like black people to have businesses because we don't support each other. We want to see you make it before we put our hand in it. Why? I see you trying. I'm going to help you. That's right. Well, oh, man, you or not. Your we, stuff costs more than... Your, no, you're good. Your stuff costs more than Walmart. I could just go to Walmart. Why? Walmart didn't start as Walmart. It started as Sam Walton. You know what I'm saying? It, I don't know, man. It, it's so much, and I hate to get so uh, emotional about it, but it's, it's truly what I believe, man. The way that we support each other is by educating each other and supporting each other building each other up. It starts from the inside and it builds its way out. Once you do that, you don't have to worry about other people, whether they like you or not, because if you like yourself and you think there's some things you can't change, all right? You can't change time, all right? And, you, and, and so if you can't change time, you be on time because as long as you're respecting time and people see you respect time, they're not going to waste your time. There's some things that you can control that nobody else can control but you. You can control what you put in your mouth or you can control what you do with your body. So if you're putting in your mouth stuff that's going to help your body and you're taking care of your body so it's, so it's uh, put on earth to be uh, and have a longevity and endurance and all that, can't nobody take that away from you. And can't nobody that's make right. you spend money on what you spend it on. So if you are in control of those things, who has control over you? You mad over a president? I don't know you. I don't know the president. He don't know me. Well, he, right. can't, he can't change nothing. He can't change – there's some things he could change on a, on a political level, and it might mess with my insurance and all that. But but I'm in a class where, I, where, where I'm too rich to be poor, and I'm too poor to be rich. So 
The president That's don't right. affect me no way. <laughs> That's right. The government, and like I tell people, war is a mentality. Poor is a mentality. You might not have a, you might call it broke, but poor is a mentality that us in this yeah, I mean, you know, country of ours, we don't know poor. Like, go to other countries where they don't have running water man. and, you know, don't have clothes and don't have access to any type man. of health care. Like, that's poor. That's impoverished. Man. We are not a poor I country. You know? I, lived in, I lived in Kuwait for three years, okay? And I saw poverty. Well, I saw real poverty for the first time in my life. And you know what I think real poverty is? Real poverty is somebody that's worked 80 hours a week, makes less than $300 a month, and sends half of it home to their family and happy. And they live wow. in like group homes and sleeping on the floor, wearing the same clothes every day, happy because they live in a third world country and they were brought to that country to make money for their family. So their family takes that money and buys seeds and buys grains and buys, you know, uh, 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 water and meals so their family is living good. And they sacrifice for their family. So how can I be mad if I look at my bank account? It ain't got the same amount of money in there. I got a house over my head, a roof over my head, clothes on the table, shoes on my feet. And my children are saying, you know, that I, poverty is on a whole nother level. But I believe the mentality of Americans, and not only Americans, but I'm black American. You know, I, I, man, I got to cut this stuff off. But another long story short, I had um, a pair of shoes. And I was working in one of the offices, and one of the guys I worked with, was uh, from India, and I noticed he wore the same shoes every day. And I asked him what size shoe he wore. He wore the same shoe size. So the next day, I bought him a pair of shoes. I bought him a pair of shoes. I had man like seventy pair of shoes, bro. Pair of shoes. So I got shoes I ain't even worn, and that's a mistake. But I didn't know it at the time until this right here happened. I gave him a pair of those shoes. He took the shoes. He was like, "Oh, thank you so much." About a week went by. He didn't wear the shoes. I said, "Man, you know what you do with those shoes?" He said, "Well, these shoes wear out." I wear those. It blew my mind because my mentality is I wow. buy a pair of shoes for every outfit. My mentality is that these shoes match the shoes, the, the clothes that I'm wearing. This style works. This style works with this style. What's the weather outside? Oh, it's cold. Let me get my hot top. He, his mentality mm-hmm. is a pair of shoes is what go on your feet. Our mentality is totally different, man. Wow. That's powerful. Man, you're so right, though. Dang, yeah. Man, I hope these listeners are listening, y'all. Y'all getting some real wisdom. Y'all getting some real dialogue and real conversation right now. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you, Mr. Coleman, because these are things that we need to hear. These are discussions that we need to have, and especially our youth. They need to be exposed to people having these conversations and knowing that, hey, look, you have a choice. Like I always say, you have a choice in life. There's no such thing as you don't have a choice. You have a choice. You might not like some of the choices that you might have to make. You might have put yourself in some certain positions to where your choice isn't as favorable, but you have a choice. And we can't go through life, you know, thinking that we are the result of our situation, right? Or we're the result of whatever current, um, you know, position that we're in. You know, we are not, that's not who you are. That's where you currently are, but you can do more. You can strive for more. You can achieve more. I always tell people, my mom used to tell me, Shoot for the moon, and if you fail, at least you're land amongst the stars. You know, you have to see yourself as a winner first. All these things, like I tell myself, you're destined for greatness. Always, you have to speak to yourself, speak over yourself, right? And I believe those things because what you put into the universe will come back to you. You know, I believe those. So, 
Mr. Coleman, man, I appreciate the time today, man. I appreciate the conversation, the words of wisdom. I hope this is not the last time you're on the show. I definitely want to have you back on. We need to further these discussions. No. I'm going to bring, I want to do a forum where we bring some more people on. We just have a total discussion, and we bring everything to it. We talk about race, finances, our youth, hip-hop. We can do it all, man, and I definitely want you to be a part of that. No problem. I'd love to, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, and I guess one last thing. You know, like I said, it might be harder uh, for us to get things, but when I was a kid, man, I watched a whole lot of kids when they were 16 years old get a brand-new car, and just about everyone that I know wrecked that car almost as soon as they got it because they, it was given to them by their parents. I didn't get a car until I was 18 years old, and I had to pay for it, and it wasn't a brand-new car. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? Before you got in that car, you knocked off your feet, you weren't going to eat in my car, and you weren't going to smoke in my car because I had to work for it. So if we have to work harder for things that we have, it helps us to appreciate it more. So don't be afraid of hard work. Don't be afraid of harder work because it'll make you keep on to what you have. And once you get to where you're going to, can't nobody take it away from you because you realize how much work you put into getting there. So, hey, don't be afraid of the hard work. Let the hard work prove your capability. That's right. That's right. I couldn't have said it any better. So thank you so much, Mr. Coleman, and I'll have you back on the show. Appreciate your time. All right, brother. Take it easy. No problem. Man, ah, that was amazing. So, you know, everybody that's listening, I hope you got something from that. You know, we went a lot of different ways, but it's so important that we reach and we talk about certain subjects because these are things that we're facing on a daily basis. We're facing stuff dealing with our finances. We're facing stuff dealing with race. We're facing stuff dealing with advertising and people, you know, feeling that they're an extension of their little brand that's on their chest. You know, our, our kids are facing these things. This is real for them. And we're, we you can't live in a bubble and not expect people to, to have questions or not people have people to be affected by these things because they are. So our job is to take all this information, train up the new generation so they don't make some of the same mistakes that we did, right? So I appreciate you supporting the show. I appreciate the questions. I appreciate you telling your friends about the show. I'm having a wonderful time. Like, this is truly what I love to do. So, again, if you want to be a part of this show, please reach out to me, iRoyal, I-R-O-Y-A-L, at italkcredit.com. You can go on my Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash italkcredit. And I want you to come on. Come tell your stories. Tell your vision. Tell what you believe in. Um, You know, give the the viewers something that they can take home and start another dialogue, whether it's with their wife or their their husband, or whether it's with a coworker, or whether it's a banker, mortgage vendor, whoever. Let's start some dialogue. Let's start some meaningful conversation. I want everybody to have a blessed day. I appreciate you. And go out and learn something new. Read a book. Get a book. Talk to somebody you've never talked to before that doesn't look like you. It doesn't share some of the same experiences you have. Stretch yourself. Challenge yourself. Strive to be a better you. Because if you're a better you, and you make other people around you better, right? Well, that's it for today's show. Have a wonderful day, and God bless.